you should listen more to the Thor score. <sighs> Thor score in seven years. Sorry. That's right. <laughs> I'm glad somebody else went there so I could stop being that guy. <laughs> This is Movie Byte, episode 68. Movie Byte is a show where we discuss, praise, lament, or lampoon movies, TV shows, and more. We're recording on Wednesday, November 13th, 2013. I'm your host, TJ, and I am joined today by the Warriors 3. Let me introduce them to you now. Returning to the show, uh, he's been absent for a long time. It's been, I don't know, weeks since we've heard from you, Joe. Joe Darnell, welcome back to the show. Hey, TJ. Uh, also joining me is regular Chad Hopkins, who typically does the podcast with me. It's just usually me and him. Hey, Chad. Hello. And once again, returning to the show for a second week in a row is Mike Fizzle. How are you, Mike? I'm well. And TJ, for the record, I prefer last and least if you want to introduce me. Okay, so you're last and you're least. There you go. Okay, well, I, I don't <laughs> believe a word of that, so I, I couldn't possibly introduce you that way. How are you guys? I don't think I've had the I don't think the four of us have done a show together. We've all done shows differently in in, a, in different quadrants, but never all four of us together on one podcast. Yeah, this is my first time talking to Joe. Well, it's same here. Well, yeah, yeah. This, is, this is the first time I've ever heard uh, Joe's twin and Joe at the same time. <laughs> you guys keep saying that. I can tell them apart easily. Ugh. Maybe it's just because it's the first time I've like listened to him, like I said, at the same time. Or I've got a very limited exposure to Joe because I, I came around. I think I started listening to the movie bite right after Joe kind of had to leave the show. Well, you are a so, latecomer. I know. There's wow. more. There's more episodes with Joe than without at this point. Still. Yeah. Yes. If I had, I, I've listened. You can say that my experience with the movie bite is about like TJ's experiences with movies before 2010. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> what I, I don't understand what that there means. Is so, a so, parallel there. Okay, yeah, I don't understand what that means. Uh, moving on. Um, so we're not going to talk a lot, a lot about anything other than really Marvel today. And uh, I wanted to uh, first of all just talk about kind of the state of the union for the Marvel universe. Uh, this is we're in, we're in phase two, and this is the second post Avengers film uh, that has come out. So. What, what do you guys? How do you guys see like the current state of the union for Marvel? Um, it's going better <laughs> since uh, the Avengers, everything is looking up. So you weren't too keen on the Marvel universe before the Avengers, Joe. I'm just saying that it was, we were going up the mountain before the Avengers. And when we hit the moment that Joss Whedon was in the writing bay with the, all the others and he took charge and said, guys, you can't put up crap anymore. We got to get this, uh, together here or, you know, Marvel's going to just, you know, ruin it for everybody. Um, everything turned out better with Joss Whedon and I'm really happy with what he's done to, set the the sights for the their vision of all these films i'm sorry if i sound funky i i've got a bit of a cold that's okay i actually couldn't tell your skype connection is a little weird but we can hear you just fine so uh. all right so fizz what do, what, what do you think of the marvel universe currently uh i think the marvel universe right now is just dollar signs across the board <laughs> it feels like they can they can almost do no wrong I mean, no even, doubt i mean they've got a, they're minting money over there exactly even the, <laughs> even the films that would be average films by most standards are being their blockbuster hits i mean they're they're drawing you know patrons by the you know by the hundreds of thousands millions um and, and I, I wouldn't say that for me that it really hit when avengers hit from from the first time i saw iron man iron man still 
probably my my second favorite movie in the Marvel series. So from from Iron Man on, I was excited for Marvel films. And besides, I mean, I think some people would argue Iron Man 2 and to a certain degree, the first Thor movie. I mean, I've really enjoyed all the Marvel films to this point. Um, So it's all been going uphill, uphill, uphill with very, very, some plateau areas, maybe. I wouldn't even say dip, some plateau areas. Um, With like Iron Man 2, maybe? Yeah, with Iron Man 2, I mean, that was a more of a plateau. I didn't hate it as much as a lot of people did, mm-hmm. I, you know, but that's what I'm saying. I think even by the standards of most moviegoers, they were expecting another Iron Man 1, which Iron Man 2 wasn't, but it was still better than a lot of movies that were out around then. Yeah, maybe I, I, one so. of the more dip-like movies was the Hulk film. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. I'm trying to be quiet and let you guys talk first. But so, so Fizz, you, you think that every Marvel film has just been, you know, enjoyable and some have been really great. Um, and, and that's kind of where you're at. Well, I mean, with the one since I think they knew that they were going along a path of heading towards the Avengers. I mean, there's films in the past that have been have dealt with Marvel that I don't, you know, properties that I don't think right. are very good. I'm talking about I think specifically, Man, specifically this iteration, this universe. Yeah, since Iron Man, I, th- I think most of the films are at least enjoyable. Okay. Um, I, like I said, I can I can understand why people weren't real high on Iron Man two, and I know that you don't like the first Thor movie as much, but I still think they were enjoyable films. I think the bar is set so high; it's see, you know, it's really hard to attain that every single movie. Yeah, that, and that's right. That's one of the points I've I've kind of wanted to bring out, uh, and I'll just bring this one out before I talk about my thoughts in general, and 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 we'll wait for that for after Chad. But I do want to make this point that. Um, in general, I think that bar has been set so high that that now, if a Marvel movie just doesn't like completely knock your socks off, people are like, oh, I don't understand, like this is not what I was expecting or something. It's just really weird how things are, and yet they're raking in the money, so it, it's just kind of weird. Uh, but Chad, I think what, that there is an assumption that you know general moviegoers may just think that all these movies are made by the same people. That you know, once you had the Avengers, people just thought, "Oh, okay, this is fantastic." Well, you only get better and better and better when you make sequels, right? And <laughs> Joss Whedon made the Avengers, so naturally, Joss Whedon must be doing all of these you know, films and taking care of all of the direction. Yeah, there probably is a little bit of a lack of understanding of exactly how all these films are fitting together and stuff. Uh, so, yeah, um, Chad, how how what do you have to add here? I agree a lot of what uh, with Mikey. What Mikey said uh, with the I've enjoyed everything so far for the most part. Uh, uh, like others, I have my concerns with Iron Man two and with the first Thor, but I think that with Iron Man three and with uh, Thor: The Dark World, uh, uh, that they've shown that they can improve on their past uh, films. I think that both Iron Man three was better than Iron Man two, and Thor: The Dark World is better than the first Thor, and so. It's putting Phase 2 on a good track up to Avengers 2. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, one of the things I was just biting my tongue about, Joe, is when you you mentioned that uh, you thought that the first Hulk film wasn't great. And I love that film so much, the one with Edward Norton. And and while I like Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk, I really liked Edward Norton as the Hulk, too. And I'm just sad that, that he had to be recast. At the same time, I don't. Know I can if understand he the performance of the character a lot better than I can appreciate the movie. I, I feel I have like problems with the side characters, the villain, and how <sighs> they were constructed and how they were trying to entertain us. Because it seems like it was just uh, way too cliche and more of a monster film. I'm not really big into the monster action 
And I especially did not appreciate what they did with the villains as a whole. And yeah, it just really bothered me how they made the, uh, the, what do you call it, the father figure, um, to out to be this really horrible dad and, and, and also really horrible, uh, leader of the military in a really pathetic sort of way. <laughs> and then, yeah, I just, I didn't like it. Okay. Well, I mean, you're entitled to your incorrect opinion. <laughs> <laughs> But you've missed, hear- but you've missed every, every hearing time. that. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and relish in it. Well, I mean, I think this is the thing, though. If you look at the the second Hulk film compared to like the first iteration that they tried to make with what Eric Bana, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. that that second Hulk film was okay. We we I think we know which direction we need to go with the Hulk, though the Hulk I think cinematically isn't a very good character. Like it takes that's a true. lot. I, I do like, think that they have a problem trying to figure out what he's supposed to do and be. I mean, he's practically invincible. And so you've got to find different ways to make it interesting. I, I will admit that. And I thought that they did a good job though with the, the Edward Norton installment, by the way, in case nobody, in case anybody in the audience doesn't realize it, that film is technically part of the canon of the Marvel cinematic universe that we're in right now. Uh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is fine with me. I, I mean, I just, I'm yeah, sad. They, they, they show cast. it on the screens and what, like Iron Man, yeah. Well, no, in the Avengers, and the Avengers, they keep yeah. showing clips from the Hulk movie. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember that, but in any event, yeah, it's part of the canon. Now, now, I think we can all agree that Iron Man really kind of sealed the deal and really set Marvel off down the correct path. Uh, I mean, there, there's no doubt to me that Iron Man is still one of my favorite Marvel films. I mean, one of. I, at this point, Avengers is, of course, better. But I think maybe Iron Man may be my second favorite of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Can we? You know, you know, with that in mind, I'm actually going to have to make a note that it, it feels like uh, there's a little bit of a void without Tony Stark in this Thor film, huh? I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, cause... well, I'll, I'll explain that when we get there. Okay. Anyway. All right. All right. So yeah, I mean, for me though, uh, before we talk about the first film, and we're just going to touch briefly on that, the. the my least favorite film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe thus far would have to be Iron Man 2. It was p- a pathetic excuse for a film. And so I, I really don't <laughs> get what you find at all interesting about that film, Fizz. Well, I mean, I, I, like I said, I was entertained by the film. I thought the first film has kind of like uh, Tony Stark discovering who he is. The second one is him trying to be the man his father always wanted him to be, I guess. And then the third film has him like on a journey of discovery about who he's going to be on his own. I mean, so like, I love the, I love the overarching narrative that these three films kind of take now, given like there, there's more comical things in the second one that kind of make me roll my eyes a little bit. But I mean, as far as like Tony Stark going out there, well, uh, uh, as far as Robert Downey Jr. Going out there, be becoming Tony Stark, bringing that character to life. I got a lot of good lines from him. I got a lot of good look ins, understanding of the character. And even though the villain was kind of comical, I mean, I still like Mickey Rourke playing a comical character as best I could. He was so misused. Like he wasn't properly utilized in that film. And well, once again, I'm not saying this is like a five star movie. I just, you know, <laughs> no, it's, it's more like a two star movie. Oh. Maybe. <laughs> well, for all of the Marvel universe, Tony Stark also has the best love interest side story with Pepper Potts. I mean, it's the most developed romantic, interesting side, subplot that there is. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can agree with that. So, yeah, of course, obviously, uh, you know, just quickly, uh, Avengers really, I mean, there, there, there is no better film so far in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We'll have to see whether they can do better, you know, top it with, with Avengers 2. But 
I, I think that that kind of leaves these films that are in between the Avengers films now in a kind of a a, a strange place or a hard place uh, because now they have to attain to this bar that they can never attain to because they're not the Avengers right. and they'll never be. And I think people, you know, especially when you see the critics kind of dissing Thor too, and you're like, well, why? Why would you diss it? But we'll get to that in a minute. So let's talk about um, the first Thor film just a little bit. We won't spend too long here, but I think it's relevant uh, because that. And, and interestingly, that film was directed by uh, Kenneth Branagh, who is known for his work with Shakespeare. So what was he doing directing this film? You know, I mean, it's kind of weird. Uh, I think it paid off when they wrote lines for Odin. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. But, uh, Chad, you've been kind of quiet. Tell us what you thought about the first Thor film. I thought it was okay. Um, I I thought, I mean, it was an origin story in the weirdest sense of the word because it was it's about this super outer space character. It was a weird installment for Marvel, a weird direction for them to go. But uh, for the most part, I think it worked. And I think introducing Chris Hemsworth as Thor, uh, who really is Thor, in the same way that I think Robert Downey Jr. is uh, Iron Man, is Tony Stark. And, uh, of course, we got Tom Hiddleston as Loki for the first time. Yeah. Um, and so I think it introduced good elements, but there were just parts of it that I didn't care for. Like I really didn't care for Natalie Portman at all in the first film. And she was slightly better here. Um, and I didn't like Darcy Kat Dennings in the first film. I thought that, I mean, it, it, it was, it had its problems, but overall I'd give it three to three and a half stars. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm down in the three star territory. Uh, who's next? Well, uh, you want me to chime in about the original Thor? Yeah, go ahead. Um, I loved it because to me it was just a, a beautiful fantasy. It was a nice uh, get away from the typical superhero uh, franchise film because typically the superhero films are trying to play up a hu- humanity and relatable characters to mankind and it's it's uh, mankind versus you know some evil within mankind and there's not much in the way of like fantasy qualities to it. They're not trying to uh, rationalize the impossibilities of Batman's gear as magic or fantasy. And uh, they don't do that with Superman. They don't do it with Spider-Man, uh, even with you know the Hulk. And so with Thor, you have this unique uh, superhero in that. Yes, they they kind of say that this is all sciency and scientific, but none of us really believe that, honestly. I mean, you just got to look at the Rainbow Bridge and how that works, and you realize <laughs> this is this is straight out of the Chronicles of Narnia. I mean, th- this is stuff that just you know harkens back to things like Lord of the Rings. Hence, look at the pro- pro- uh, prologue at the beginning of the Dark World. Um, and how they constructed that around various echoes the prologue of the original Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. But this was also reflected in the original Thor film. Um, you have this absolutely bodacious castle that does look like a real pipe organ overdone. And uh, <laughs> this king who wears an eye patch and he, he goes into a sleep state like he is a princess and reawakens right when you need him to. And, you know, Wait, th- is this supposed to be positive like or negative? <laughs> this is positive because for whatever reason, in spite of all of the human characters trying to drag that film down and make it pathetic and horrible, I really appreciated the moments of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s involvement and Thor and Asgard. And I thought that the world of Asgard was a new, very fun a play, uh, you know, fantastic playground to explore. 
Fizz, what do you got to say? Yeah, yeah. I, actually, that's very interesting that uh, Joe is bringing up a lot of that stuff because one of the things that kind of annoys me that ever, that's been happening more prevalently ever since shield started because Joss Whedon said he wants it to happen is the explanation of everything fantasy by, by science. They want everything to be explained by science. And I really enjoyed the parts of Thor, the first movie because it looked like a fantasy. It looked like mythos, that whole separate world that was beautiful and, you know, just out, I mean, out of this world, as cliche as that kind of sounds, that, that that's what I enjoyed uh, a lot about the first Thor film. And then the the fact that now they're trying to explain it away a lot in this movie, and we can get to that a little bit later. It, it kind of kind of deadens it a lot for me. But for the rest of the th- first Thor movie, like I said, the first time I watched it, I didn't enjoy it as much because it didn't live up to the expectations that I had compared to some of the other Marvel films that were out mm. at the time. Yeah, but I, I watched it again after I saw Avengers and I, you know, I appreciated uh, Loki's development a lot more in the first film. I appreciated just where that film was trying to get us. There were still a lot of flaws. I really didn't like uh, kind of like Joe said again, almost any of the human characters. I think they really kind of dragged the, the film down because I felt like the writers like we need these characters, but we don't really know how to use them. Right. And it was kind of confusing. I didn't really feel like that love interest was really played up, but for a character that I think I already am going to have a strike against because he's, he's very Superman esque to me. Right. Like he's, you know, he's godlike when, when a character is godlike, it's very hard for me to get interested because I'm like, Oh, well he can't die. So there's no consequences. So what's the real story here? And they they had they had a way in in the first Thor that kind of you know brought him down to earth, so to speak. Um, <laughs> that you know that made it to, that gave the the situation consequences, but ultimately you knew there weren't real consequences. And so, you know, the movie ended up being in the three to three and a half star range for me, leaning more towards three. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, I will enjoy it the next time I watch it, probably as much as I did the second time. But it it still had a long ways to go before it really knew what they wanted to do with the character of Thor, which I think they, they, they solve a lot of that in this movie that we're going to review. So, yeah. And, and, you know, I, for me, okay. So, so the, the fanciful slash science aspect, I mean, I actually like where they're going with it. I like the mix of it. Like they don't shy away from the fantasy, but at the same time, they're, they're you know, Jane is very science oriented and, and, you know, there's other things that are very sciencey in terms of when you're, especially when you're mixing Thor with the rest of the Marvel universe where science is what makes Iron Man possible. Science is what makes Captain America possible. And then you've got Thor. And originally, I mean, the whole thing was pretty much a fantasy, I would, I would guess. I, I really don't know much about the original comics, but I would guess the whole concept was very fanciful and fantasy. And, and now you've got to try to make it work in an Avengers setting. And I think they've done a good job with that. I have no complaints with that. Even in the first film, I, I really liked kind of, you know, how Thor said to Jane, well, you know, you know, we call it magic or whatever, but, you know, the, what you call science, some have called magic or something like that. And I think that that actually works. I mean, there's still, I mean, it's still, the thing is still fantasy. It could never actually happen, right? <laughs> so I didn't have a problem with that. My problem with the first film, though, really is that there just didn't seem to be any stakes involved for any of the characters, as you as you mentioned, Fizz. Uh, there, it just seemed like it lacked any emotionality to the film at all. 
I wasn't invested in the characters. I thought the romance between Thor and Jane was completely and totally unbelievable. And the whole the whole film takes place in the space of, of, of two and a half days. So basically, Thor is kicked out of Asgard to, te- to be taught a lesson, and he's he's like this being that can live for a thousand years. And over the course of two and a half days, he learns all the life lessons he needs to learn. I mean, like what, seriously? <laughs> um, <laughs> and and, and there's just no chemistry really between any of the characters in that film. So that that's my general take on Thor. The first Thor film, but there was, as Joe says, a lot to like about the film, and I agree with some of what Joe was saying. So it's kind of a wash for me. I'm I'm kind of more in the three, closer to two and a half star range. Like this is where Fizz, you would take issue with the ten point scale, and wish there was a little bit more. Uh, yeah, you know, but you but, still get the general idea. Yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm like two point seventy five stars, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So uh, speaking of of the first film, there's I. I because we have uh, four of us on the podcast, three of you are Skyped in and, and taking up all my computers, I can't – I don't have a, a available way to play this at all. But there was the Honest Trailer for Thor, which I highly recommend, and that will be in the show notes uh, as well. You need to get another computer, TJ. Come on. Uh, well, yeah. I've got, I've got uh, <laughs> two uh, Power Macs, actually. They're not Mac Pros. They're Power Macs. Uh, and then I have my old laptop. And and really, the issue is ca- one of cables. I don't have, you have any- two Power Macs. Yes, those got to be older than you. We've man. talked about this before, Joe. When you, I got them when you were still on the show, and and I was recording. One of them is recording and, and doing Skype in and feeding into the mixer, and then feed it. Blah blah. This is all. I mean, you think this is what people tune in for? It didn't occur to me. You said Power Macs. Shoot. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. I, I the one actually the issue is one of of cabling. I don't have enough cables to hook up my actual personal laptop to play the trailer, but. Anyway, it'll be in the show notes. You should check it out. I, I really I loved this trailer because I didn't like the Thor film very much, and I thought that it hit most of the problems with the film. I, yeah. I, did, you guys all watched it, right? Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love we just watched trailer the, series. The, the Rainbow Road part was my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> that really took me back. Yeah, that was great. Uh, so anyway, that's going to be in the show notes. That will be at moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 68 is where you'll find those show notes. Well, guys, I actually have already reviewed in short form and in written form uh, Thor The Dark World. Uh, I'll put this in the show notes as well. Uh, I released episode two of Bite Sized uh, and talked briefly about it for those who want a shorter review of uh, you know of Thor The Dark World and want to be engaged by the video of the trailer. That's up there. Uh, so, well, it sounds out. like our job is done. No, not quite. Let's go home. <laughs> Good quite. job, TJ. <laughs> so you guys ready to talk about Thor the Dark World or do you have any other thoughts uh, that are more broad? I, I think we should all take turns reciting your review. Exactly. <laughs> Why? <laughs> it, it's, just, it's just that beautiful teaching. All right, I'm taking charge here. Thor the Dark World. <laughs> it opened in theaters on November the 8th. It had a budget of $170 million. You didn't – I guess that's, that's, that's got to be a million. You, you – yeah. Yeah, that's a joke. You, you, here, Joe, in the outline, you got to go like this. Oh, okay. Yeah. 170 Sheesh. million. Uh, it opened to the tune of 85 million. It has already made, this is incredible to me, a total gross, a total worldwide gross of $337 million. That's insane. That's an insane amount of money for opening weekend. That's worldwide, of course. So um, uh, the critical acclaim, uh, Joe, you want to tell us a little bit about this? 
Well, what I said was that the I, I read when Mar, uh, Rotten Tomatoes kind of sum up, and I didn't agree exactly with what they said. I thought we could be more specific, and so what they said was that it may not be the finest film to come from Marvel's universe, but Thor: The Dark World still offers plenty of the humor and high stakes action that fans have come to expect. I thought we could be a little clearer than that. Um, they, it wasn't their most well written summation. Yeah, no, I agree. So go ahead. So. Um, what I said was it's Marvel's latest escapade benefits from the diverse collection of superhero films that have gone before it. It keeps up sincere and palatable humor and attention getting action sequences in an otherwise ridiculous comic book like epic tale. Yeah, that's pretty good. All they right. should hire me. Yeah, absolutely. You should be a <laughs> that one's, should... Or that one's free. They can just take it. Yeah. They got to run with it, as Dan would say. Because ta- you know Rotten Tomatoes listens to this podcast. Yeah. Well, I mean, you should be a copywriter for them. All right. So it was directed by Alan Taylor, written by Christopher Marcus, Stephen McFeely, and Christopher Yost. With an honorable mention of Joss Whedon helping here and there. Yes, he did. Uh, it stars Mr. Goldenhair, Chris Hemsworth. Uh uh, Queen uh, Amidala, Natalie Portman. Uh, we have, uh, I'm trying to think who Anthony Hopkins has played, uh, you know, what? In his, yeah, in his eye patch. Uh, <sighs> sorry, my, my brain is freezing. So, Hey, does that, does that joke about movies before 2010 make a lot more sense right now? But no, <laughs> yeah. it's just, okay. I, I know I've seen plenty of movies okay. in a minute. But my brain is just freezing. So you got Hannibal Lecter. Tom. Oh yeah, of course. Hannibal Lecter. Yes. Uh, I have seen those Tom Hiddleston. Uh, you, you know, I, he's only known for Loki as far as I know. Uh, we've got uh, your favorite actor, Fizz, Idris Elba. I know. Yeah, and of course, uh, Stellan Skarsgård. Music by Brian Tyler. Chad, why don't you tell us a little bit about what this film is about? Um, do you want Joe to read this since I think he wrote it? Oh, okay, sure. You, you can sure. you can punt to him. I'll, I'll yeah. allow it. <laughs> Okay, uh, so Thor and friends are fighting evil across the nine realms the Asgardians preside over. And little do they know that the significant worlds in the nine realms are about to align, which, after we hear a lot of scientific mumbo-jumbo, ultimately leads to this catastrophe that could wipe out the universe as we know it. Jane Foster, who, if you cannot remember, is Thor's love interest, played by Natalie Portman, is studying the planetary alignment phenomenon when she mistakenly contracts the most evil substance ever known. I mean, like, this is crazier than the Dark Lord's evil golden ring stuff here, and it's called the Ether. And this weightless... Well, somebody just moved the outline. Sorry. This weightless black liquid symbiotic material is evil incarnate, ready to wreak havoc. If the stuff falls into the wrong hands, like the Dark Elves, that like predate the known universe, that's exactly what will happen. These menaces of the distant past, when they see that Jane has a rouse to the ether, they decide to hunt her down in Asgard to kill her and take it back. Thor is forced into a fight to the death with the Dark Elves, and along the way to turn his back on his father and King Odin. As the lord over all Asgard and the Nine Realms, Father Odin is undecided about what he'll do with his two rebellious sons. On the one hand, Loki has caused an almost insurmountable interplanetary war, while Thor is largely untested and yet to prove his leadership abilities. And the Dark Elves get to the Aether 
And if they, uh, excuse me, if the Dark Elves get to the ether, as they alone understand how to u- utilize its infinite power, it would almost assuredly mean the death of all life as we know it in the Nine Realms. And that would be the end of the universe as we know it. And that's, that is just because. Just because. I don't quite understand what you mean by just because, but okay, sure. Oh, well, you know, I mean like, okay, you want to talk about the ether now? Yeah, I do want to talk yeah. about the ether now, and Skip that is th- now ether. that is just because, like, like I will, I will give you that. Like, um, how did it find its way into Natalie Portman? That was just kind of by chance, but and, and, but, and so you know, folks, <laughs> we're really not talking about spoilers just yet no, because no. it was it was it was really hinted at in the trailers that something crazy was up with Jane Foster. No, we could we knew and that. Then, in the prologue in this film, they describe what the ether is to the nth degree. So it's the very first thing you see in the entire film. Yeah. And uh, the ether is just this ooze. It's like weightless. It seems to have a mind of its own, but it's not very intelligent. So it does whatever <laughs> the dark elves want to do with it. But the dark elves well, can easily lose it. it. And even though they had it once upon a time and they could do whatever the heck they wanted with, with it, it was supposed to be able to just wipe out the known universe. And once upon a time as guardians uh, whooped the dark elves, got the ether from them easily enough, even though they were losing a battle and which ultimately led to the dark elves going into hibernation for over 5,000 years while they had nothing to do without the ether. I mean, what? And all like, they have to do to, is to, find the ether, and then everything right, goes Joe, back to their evil. To be plan. fair, to be fair, the ether was created by Malekith, and he didn't have time to deploy it. Is the idea like it's just like a weapon? You can't think of it as well. It's not very intelligent. No, it's it's not intelligent at all. It has no intelligence. It's a thing. Uh, mm, it seems it, to have intelligence. It, it looks like the the black symbiote that makes up the uh, the villain called Venom in Spider Man. Yeah, that was it's my thought creepy. too. Was yeah, it was, it was very it's good. definitely like Venom. Huh, I didn't think about that at all, but I guess you're kind of right. Kinda. It doesn't create a coating on the outside of somebody. It just gets absorbed and goes into the body and yeah, lives it, on its own. It didn't seem to affect Jane Foster's personality at all either, so I'm I'm uh, I'm not going to allow that one. That's not true. It didn't seem but at all it like does that. Protect, I think, it, I think it does protect its interest. It, it uh, does what it wants to do to protect Jane Foster in order to protect itself. Yeah. So when people try to you know, extract it from her, it would blast them to bits or whatever. Did you say I was outvoted, Fizz? I think you, I think you were outvoted. Um, well, <laughs> since my vote counts and yours don't, I'm not kidding. <laughs> no, 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 okay. You get two votes here, but there are three others here and we all No, no, no. Them, so. my, my vote counts for 10, so um, anyway. <laughs> Joe, doesn't Joe have legacy votes or something? <laughs> well, I mean, he did start the site in the veteran. podcast with me, I guess. <laughs> I'm saying. I am a veteran. <laughs> Actually, my, my favorite part about Joe's entire spiel there was I feel like I just watched the honest trailer for Thor The Dark World. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. We'll see. I mean, I'm sure there's be, there's going to be something about the ether in there and the ooze starring the ooze, you know. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah. And I'm sure there'll be something about starring Queen Amidala in there or something like that. All right. Well, um, so let's let's talk about though. I mean, we, we've kind of gotten the ether out of the way, and that's kind of a big. That, that's, that's almost kind of the you know, Fizz. You do a come on moment in your podcast, and and that's kind of the come on moment I think for this film is is the ether. And but but fortunately, even though like you would think it's key to the plot, it, it's really not. Like the plot is really about a little bit about the conflict with the dark elves, and mostly about the character development of uh, 
uh, of the characters, you know, sure. I think. So let's talk about the things that we like about the film. Okay. Chad, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm, Chad. I'm, pick, I'm calling on you, Chad. See? Chad okay, well, uh, it was better than the original, uh, like almost in every regard, I think. Absolutely. Um, uh, I'm trying to read my handwriting uh, <laughs> danger, Chris Hemsworth. danger. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth uh, continues to wield the hammer perfectly. I think um, I enjoyed Hiddleston coming back as Loki. Um, although I have more to say about that later when we get to the dislikes. Yes, um, me too. I, I liked Portman and Kat Dennings both here. Um, Jane Foster and uh, Darcy respectively. Um, and I thought it was funny appropriately most of the time. And I thought Eccleston as Malekith was okay for the most part. Uh, the character so much wasn't the greatest, but his execution of what he had was pretty good. I thought he was plenty menacing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, I thought the visuals in this film were a lot better than the first one. Well, I think that the CGI usage in the first film, uh, while it did sort of establish the universe, was a little bit overdone. And I liked that they tried to return to more uh, practical sets here yeah well i'll tell you as far as the cgi since you're talking about it uh, I, like i feel like the first film it, it almost didn't feel like they took the time to render it properly like like the cgi right. is just barely passable and this film it has such a, a a realness to it like like they they made several more passes with the renderer it has much more detail and grittiness and and more beauty and and yet more real realness i mean I, yeah I, I definitely agree the cgi in this film wa- was much more appropriate and much better done yeah, in the first film, it almost was like it was still in partial comic form. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I, I would agree. And and I, sure, I mean, the film hasn't been that long ago, so I don't think we can blame it on the technology. I, I think it really, frankly, I think that the first Thor film was really rushed just because they were trying to get you know that film and Captain America out before the Avengers. Yeah. So, um, mm-hmm. Yep. And then uh, just a couple more quick things. I liked that, uh, like in Iron Man three, it showed a lot of the consequences of the Avengers. Um, so it, it, it didn't dwell too much on it, but it did hint at this is what happened in the Avengers. And this is a result of what happened in, uh, in this universe, uh, in, in Asgard, this is the result. And, uh, I thought that was pretty well done. And, uh, like I always have to mention the score by Brian Tyler is pretty great. Yeah. What, what else has he done since he did Iron Man three? Okay. Um, and he did now you see me recently um oh, okay. th- those are the only ones i'm actually familiar with but uh i've enjoyed all of those yeah dave chen over at uh, slash film he had a lot to say about brian tyler's score frankly it didn't it didn't really stand out to me but it was it was fine so yeah i mean I, at first i was a little disappointed that patrick doyle wasn't coming back after scoring oh, the first please, film please no please no oh, okay tj we are of the same opinion of patrick doyle's score for harry potter and the goblet of fire but his score for thor was pretty good well what, well, what about aragon I don't like that film. I don't like the score. The score is awful for that. Like every Patrick Doyle score I can think of is just terrible. And that includes Thor. You should listen more to the Thor score. (sighs) Thor score in seven years. Sorry. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad somebody else went there so I could stop being that guy. (laughs) All right, Fizz, tell us a little bit about this film. Yeah, I I like a lot of the things that Chad was uh, hitting on because I, I really like Chris Hemsworth in this. Uh, I thought I don't know if it's due to this the time that he spent being this character or the script itself gave more Thor. You know, I I, I just I just really could get behind Chris Hemsworth as Thor uh, 
easier this time. It didn't seem like a dude who was dressed like a, a Norse guy <laughs> doing an imitation of Thor, as I kind of felt sometimes it was in the first one. I felt like he yeah, really embraced like the cosplay character. or something at like Dragon yeah. Con or something. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's good. <laughs> just yeah. a little bit. The um oh as, as always I, I love Loki. I thought he he is well, to me hands down the best part of this sub Avengers franchise. Um, so much so that it leads me to something that I'm not going to get into quite yet because it'll be spoilers. Uh, the end of the movie to me, I loved, and I can already tell from the bite size review that there are differences of opinions and we, oh, like yes. I said, we can get to that during spoiler oh, time, yes. but I love yes. the end of this film. Um, uh, I really liked the sidekicks. I felt like in the first one, they were supposed to be there for comic relief. Uh, with Darcy base, you know, Darcy a lot was supposed to be a comic relief. And I just don't think she was ever used right. But in this film, almost every time she kind of popped on screen, it had a very Joss Whedon feel, oh, even definitely. though like, I mean, you know, like when for, you know, she sees him for the first time and she's like, look at you still all muscly and everything. How space, <laughs> how space. Yeah. I just, yeah. it's very, you know, I don't know. I, it worked this time. It, it felt like it was uh, that blend of humor and seriousness. Uh, I, I felt like just that worked with the script. I felt more for the characters. I was kind of with them on their journey. Uh, I even more believably, even though the bar was set very low, kind of am on board with the Jane Thor romance to a certain degree. Yeah. Uh, like I said, it, the bar was really low. So, I mean – it didn't take much to overcome that, but I, th- I felt like they did a better job than the first film. Um, I really, really liked the relationship between Loki and um, Frigga, uh, uh, their mother. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, I-, I just love the scenes that she- I loved her character in general in this movie. I'm glad that she basically was a legitimate character in this movie that once again, like I'm trying to figure out how to talk about this without, you know, Spoiling too much, but like the, the things that she's involved in this movie. Well, it was really drew, nice that she drew me into the movie. In Jane Foster, that she was trying to establish a relationship there. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, like because every, Odin, every part she's in. Yeah, well, King Odin had already said, "What is this goat doing?" Out of yeah, the I know. Did you just call me a goat? <laughs> and then his wife comes along, Jane Foster, and treats her like a potential daughter-in-law. Yeah, you know, really respectfully. Yeah, I mean, so that that whole like every scene she she's in, uh, like I said, develops Thor, develops Jane, develops their relationship, develops her character, develops her love for Loki, develops Loki's character. I mean, like everything she does makes every character around her better, mm-hmm. and I I love that about her character in this movie. Um, and then outside of that, the one thing that I I mean, I'm already predisposed to like, so it might be kind of cheating. Uh, Idris Elba as Heimdall getting kind of his own little moment in the sun, running down Rainbow Road, jumping <laughs> yeah, and destroying yeah. things with swords. I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's most of the stuff that I liked. Uh, you'll notice that nothing really in the like was about the actual main plot of the story. That's uh, that's probably where it starts to go into the dislikes. So. Mm, okay. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, Idris Elba, he he, uh, he got to report his own treason to the king. That was kind of uh, interesting. So bad. It, it's Idris Elba. <laughs> I, I was saying Idris. I guess that's not. Yeah, it's Idris Elba. Idris Elba. Well, I'm, I, everybody knows I'm bad with these names. It's terrible. <laughs> All right. Well, Joe, uh, I, I think it's your turn. I'm, I'm, I'm exercising my patience. 
Uh, okay, well, uh, hmm, let me see here. Um, the humor was all in all a little bit better than the first Thor film. I, I enjoyed the comedic moments. In fact, the first thing that my brother said when we were leaving the film was, was that a comedy? And <laughs> I felt like he, he was onto something there because it seems to me that they wanted you to be smiling and laughing along with the preposterousness of the story all throughout that they, they didn't want you to take the villains seriously. They didn't want you to uh, l- l- overanalyze anything about this film before it would clearly just fall to pieces. The, the film knew its place, and the film knew its place. So it was kind of like we're not gonna we're not gonna deal too much on the you know intricacies of how does this particular th- facet of the the nine realms alignment work so that it actually creates a catastrophic mass rift shift and so forth and you know it it could have been really disastrous because they they were teetering on the edge of a lot of absolutely mind-boggling horrible absurdities that would fly in the face of all things scientific but then the way that they were able to uh cope with that was the level of intense humor all throughout and so I, I appreciated those moments. And of course, the best being Loki's moment when he was really trying to get on his brother's nerves and he started impersonating the, the Avengers and so <laughs> forth. And he turned into Captain America and said something like, why don't we all go off and, you know, and have a glorious discussion about righteousness and truth and justice and morality. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, that was a great cameo from Chris Evans. And yeah, that was that was pretty awesome. I agree. And as a whole, I just really enjoyed Loki more, and I enjoyed Loki in every film he's been in, but this one as a whole, I enjoyed him more. And I don't know if that's because I'm just getting used to the character, or if he actually did something more worthwhile with his character. I think it's both. Yeah, and if that's that's all you got, I, I I can just springboard right off of that. I'll stop there. Okay. Um, so, so Loki, uh, I think definitely this is the best that he's been as a character in any of the films, even though I thought he was great in Avengers. I think that part of the problem with Thor is that you, you kind of wanted, I think it was almost subconscious, you realized what a personality Tom Hiddleston was bringing in the form of Loki. And he wasn't getting like the screen time. Like, like the film actually did better whenever Loki was present in the first Thor film. And I think, of course, Joss Whedon looked at that and picked up on that right away and just said, oh, well, he's our main villain in the Avengers. So, you know, uh, Loki has definitely become that beloved villain that everybody loves to hate. You know, I mean, he is the god of mischief and, and he's not a good guy. But yet, the way in which he's played and the way tom hiddleston plays him with relish is just quite remarkable um and and on, on the note of tom hiddleston did you hear that he was actually trying to get the part of thor when they were casting the first film i had not heard that that would have been yeah, so wrong yeah that's what he tried <laughs> and uh, what he did was he actually started like beefing up and working out to try and look more of the part <laughs> and then they, they him asked to stop him, it pretty much they said actually uh, we would like you to play the part of Yo- uh, Loki. So are you okay with that? And he said, yes. And so they said, okay, well now we're going to switch you to yoga. And uh, <laughs> yeah, they had to get him slimmed down. They gave him a bunch of yogurt and tofu and they nice. got him to bulk down. Nice. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, I, I think that he's, he's definitely become a big part of, of the Marvel universe and in a, in a really good way. So, you know, and I think that um, here in this film, 
his part is is definitely like like this is the best ca- character development for him and and kind of I actually predicted this I can't remember if I predicted it on the podcast I know I predicted it in writing that we would we would see kind of a uh, a redeeming somewhat of of the Loki character and I think we saw a little bit of that I'm not and, and we'll get into spoilers here in a minute I'm not completely satisfied with with where that went but I think we definitely saw that and I think that he played it so well I mean just that you know he seemed all calm cool and collected when he was being told about a specific event <laughs> again trying not to spoil it uh but then all of a sudden you know the guy that the messenger goes away and then all of a sudden all the all the chairs and the table just sort of fly apart in the room and as he clenches his fists i mean I, that was such a great character moment for loki um chris hemsworth i think you you mentioned this fizz chris hemsworth is really coming into his own i i think we we were really seeing him develop as an actor when he first took the the role of thor and i think we felt that in that film that may be part of the reason why we don't like it as much as i don't think he did that great of a job as as much as he does now uh with the character of thor uh as you mentioned joe it kind of felt like he was dressing it you know dressing in the clothes you know but it wasn't it wasn't going anywhere and and now well, sometimes think, dressing in the clothes, sometimes shirtless for no reason. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, but I think uh, probably if I were to guess too, I think Joss Whedon, again, his stamp is all over the Marvel universe now. And I think he had a lot to do with the development of Thor. I think he probably gave him a lot of direction in the Avengers that really kind of shed light on how the character needed to behave and who he was. And I think that's helped him here. Um, you know, and speaking of Joss Whedon, I think we see, like you mentioned, uh, with the, the, uh, humor of Darcy even, I mean, that Darcy has become such a Joss Whedon character all of a sudden, almost a little bit of a cross between like Xander and Willow from Buffy. Um, and, and it worked really well. Uh, I, I thought, and, and definitely enjoy the character of Darcy a lot more in this film. Now, D- Darcy is the, uh, the, a science girl, nerdy science girl with yeah. glasses and always wears mm-hmm. a funny looking oversized yes. hat. Yeah, that's her. Uh, the intern has an intern. I mean, <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, yeah, so so that Joss Whedon influence has has been really good. I mean, even though he he was barely involved with this film and only wrote like kind of helped rewrite a couple of scenes, I, I think that that influence is definitely present. Um, you know, it's already been mentioned. Like all my likes, you, you guys have hit on all of them. That's a problem with going last. But I mean, like the Jane and Thor romance, I believed it this time. I I, I did not believe it in the first Thor film, and this time they felt so comfortable with each other. And, you know, and again, I think this may be attributed to mostly to Chris Hemsworth because we've we've known for a while that Natalie Portman is a decent actress. So I think that Chris Hemsworth is definitely uh, adding a, a much better uh, chemistry to that relationship. Did, okay, so so Odin. Did anybody else feel like Odin was a lot less likable in this film? Very yeah, much we, agree with you there. Because yes, in yeah. the first film, he even seemed to have a little bit of wisdom behind anything he did yeah, and he plotted. I, mean, I didn't particularly like him in the first I, I, film. I can't say that I always agreed with his position or why he did something, but I felt like, you know what? Maybe he understands something on a you know higher level plateau, whatever you want to say, than we do. So maybe he's got something figured out and he knows more than we do. And, you know, maybe he's got some more reasoning than we, we, we realize. But I mean, he calls. He this calls, film, no. <laughs> he calls uh, uh, Jane Foster a goat for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> And everything he did was very passive. He wasn't a warrior. He was always telling people to stop doing anything that was worthwhile to try and save their culture. He didn't appreciate anything that Thor did, really. No. 
he he didn't address Loki much at all whatsoever. Why not? Don't really know why. He's completely dispassionate about the interests uh, that concern his wife. He he doesn't understand that Jane has something to contribute. No, and, absolutely <laughs> not at all. Uh, there there were some real frustrations. Uh, I I think that I don't know why they painted Odin into this corner. That that's something that really bothers me, because yeah. uh, I mean, like the worst part of it all is the the twist at the ending, and how Odin uh, goes missing, and you're not quite sure why. They they don't explain it whatsoever. He's Joe, just not. Present. We have not gotten into spoilers yet. But that but here's my point. We don't even know what it means. We don't even know what the heck it means. Whether or not we don't know what is going on with Odin. There's really no spoiler to tell here. Just that he was not present at the end of the film uh, where he expected him to be. Well, it's out. The cat's out of the bag now. We don't. Ed- <laughs> we don't edit the show for content. So, <laughs> well, well, I think Joe like, has a point. I mean, technically, we don't know. So, yeah. I mean, it's only a spoiler as much as saying we expected him to be one place and he was not in that place. Yeah. Eh. And we are okay. forty-five we'll, minutes we'll, into the show yeah, now. Yeah. So we'll get there. We'll yeah. get there. Um, I, I think I think the show's gonna you know probably run long. We'll see. So, yeah, Odin, and the thing is, like, in the first film, I felt like I was supposed to like him ultimately, even though I, I may have had issues with, with his positions and things. I, I didn't feel like he was completely unlikable, even though I didn't necessarily care for him. In this film, I guess, like, I'm not sure, I'm a little confused, but I guess we're really not supposed to like him. Like, they've turned him into a sort of bad guy. Uh, and, and I think maybe this is coming from, well, I mean, you know, he he kind of displayed some bad parenting in the first film, where he's like... You know, you are both destined to be king, but only one of you can be king. I mean, like, what kind of parenting is that? I mean, it's just what? Yeah. Let's, let's pit yeah. these guys against each other. And and I think maybe they're they're picking up on, oh, you know, he's done a really bad job with these sons, you know, and it's 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 Thor's turned out okay, but that's not his. That's not because of him. And Loki hasn't turned out okay, and that is because of him. You know, like I guess that's where they're going with it. So it's logical. It's just a little bit jarring, like because they can't decide which way it is. Which way is it? Nope, it's this way. Ooh, it's this way. You know, I mean. I don't know. That's a little frustrating for me. So uh, I, I guess you know, much as I enjoyed the film and the humor and the and the you know the concepts and in the, the CGI, I guess we're kind of already delving into spoilers. So let's go ahead and just chime in here and, and talk about uh, not spoilers, but uh, things we don't like is what I meant to say. So let's go ahead and chime in here and talk about the things that we don't like. Okay, um, I thought that the humor, while it was appropriate in most points uh, there was w- one scene in particular i thought they were going too far um and that was the Thank scene when um thor and loki are walking out they're being they're preparing to leave asgard and it, it's the shape-shifting scene which i thought was funny overall but at the same time i was thinking okay this character needs to stop talking it's going too far it's oh, it's past on, the point Chad. of well yeah, i thought it was, was funny wonderful. and I, I loved the the captain america cameo even though i knew it was happening ahead of time um, <laughs> How did you know that? They play Captain America's theme in the score. I guess <laughs> the, the, the the music guy you, you would pick up on that. But man, I completely yeah. disagree with you. That was my probably one of my favorite scenes in the whole film. That that entire sequence. See, it's just I'm I'm of mixed opinion there because I, I do think it was funny and I do like Tom Hiddleston a lot, but I just think that it was pushing going too far. Uh, I I just thought he'd said one too many joke maybe. Now, I'm going to I'm going to jump to Chad's defense a little bit here. While Figures. that well, while, <laughs> see, while while that was one of my uh, more, more enjoyable scenes, 
I don't think it fit tonally with where the film was right then. I think it, I think it swung the pendulum too far the other way. Joe, are you going to help me out at all? That was the scene. I, I don't the know scenes what to that they say. added in. Uh, they're entitled to their wrong opinion, man. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Yes, score. <laughs> like I said, a great scene. I, I, lo- I, lo- I love like conceptually what that that conversation. But I think they needed a better way to either lead into it or lead out of it, mm. um, just from a cinematic point of view. So like, there's nothing that, in the conversation that I didn't like that they had. I, like I said, it just. When I was watching it, I was like, wait, aren't we having a very serious, like, you know, maybe one, an aside kind of joke, but this is like a, it's almost like a, a, a shtick, you know, a, a shtick just lasted a little too long for there not to be like a lead in or a lead out. And it just kind of yeah. cut to it, did this really funny thing and then cut away to more seriousness. And it just, it, I think it could have been done better. It didn't detract for me, but I, I definitely can I, I'm defending Chad because I don't think it was I don't think it was done perfect. Yeah, or that scene perfect was them adding show. more Loki to the film. Yeah, I'm almost positive that was one of the scenes they added after the. Oh, fact. I, I know it was. They they added yeah. it. Uh, not after. I wouldn't call it after the fact, but they did add it back in. Um, and they went and reshot it. But I, I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it fit perfectly. It helped break the tension a little bit, and and was that moment that the film needed. I thought so. I and and man, what's not to love about that scene? It was it was awesome. Best 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 scene in the film. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that it go that far. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, okay, Joe. What is the best scene in the film? Um, I can't think of any that really stood out that particular way but See? Best scene I, in the I film. liked other scenes with loki in particular if we're getting we're into the spoiler territory now i really liked the the hand-to-hand combat ac- action at the end of the film when they were on that uh very desolate planet and you know uh thor and loki are conniving together to try and one-up the All dark right, elves yeah. that, that may be a be- that may be the best that was the really yeah, that was a classic moment where brother and brother who you did not expect to work together suddenly worked together and they did it Loki's way. But at the same time, it would obviously work only because Thor had led the way to make that happen. Yeah. So. All right. Well, well, we are in spoilers. So we'll, I'll mention this. I, I was, I was both happy and upset with that scene. I was happy because I feel like had they not gone as far as to quote, cut off Thor's hand, Loki have Loki cut off Thor's hand. I feel like I would have believed the betrayal because I, you would. I would have could, believed it if he was bleeding. Yeah, he wasn't I suppose, bleeding. I suppose, which you could explain that away in a bunch of different ways. But just the fact that they cut off Thor's hands, like there's no way his his hand is not gone, and and so I knew immediately. Well, they're they're conniving together, like they 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 planned this. Where if they hadn't done that, I feel like I would have believed Loki's betrayal, and it would have the scene would have worked better. But overall, well, see, I, I thought that, that scene was could, good. I knew that Loki could do the, uh, you know, morphing thing and do, produce illusions around him. I just never really considered that he would take it that far and use it on someone else and that someone else like Thor would play along with it. Um, so that I was kind of fooled in that I really believed that Loki was betraying him. I just didn't understand how the heck they were going to explain that Thor was going to magically get his hand back. Okay. <laughs> That's what, that was I thought of that for about two I seconds, and I realized, oh, well, Loki, of course, can project. I mean, that, and that, by the way, was the point of the scene that you say is pointless, Chad, is showing exactly what Loki could do with that power so that they weren't I didn't just, say it was pointless. Okay. He didn't say it was pointless. Okay. All right. 
All right, well, continuing with dislikes, um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and jump in here. And, and you guys, I, I, this can be a little bit more free-for-all, I think, but I'm going to jump in with my dislike of what they did with Dr. Selvig. I, I feel like that, if anything in the film was taken too far, and, and for the most part, I don't feel this way about the film. Like, I thought the humor was, was hit the right balance. But but the whole thing with with Skarsgård, uh, Skarsgård's character, I, I felt like was out of place. Like, and, and the poor, the poor guy's been through enough. You know, he, he, he had Loki in his head all throughout Avengers and, and, and now he's got to be running around naked and, and, and just the whole thing, stop it. Yeah. I wasn't happy with anything they did with him in this film. And I wasn't especially fond of him in the Avengers. I think that he's a character that is, I, what can you say, guys? I mean, do you really ever like a moment with that character? And it seems kind of odd to me that they keep on bringing him back. Yeah. I'm not happy. I'm not happy with him. What do you guys think? I like him. Um, I mean, I, Why? I don't see what exactly does he I, contribute I can just... to the story. He explains I mean, all the science. Uh, and so many other people could do such a better job. Yeah, and this I, is where I want to introduce a, a tie-in to this issue. Um, it seems like everybody is somewhat not happy with the science content in the Thor films and especially the dynamic of the – we'll see. Okay. All right. Well, who, who else agrees <laughs> with me? Uh, Fizz, where do you stand? <laughs> well, I mean like I don't necessarily mind – explaining certain things by science, but I feel that Joss Whedon's edict to explain, like have nothing in the film that can't be explained by science, which is what he said, especially when he started shield and was kind of echoing it to the larger picture of the Avengers. That that's what bothers me. I want there to be some mystery. I mean, that's the whole, the whole okay. crux why I like comic book heroes in the first place. There's something mystical about it. Mythological fantasy. Yeah, I see. Well, my problem with science in this Thor film was that it was very poorly communicated. Like when Jane is trying to talk science, she does a horrible job of actually trying to say anything in layman's terms. (laughs) And then, uh, you know, Thor could have done just as well as she did. And then she's got these goofy gadgets that are able to do things that are absolutely impossible to project and know things about the Earth's atmosphere, you know, instantaneously in real time. Well, what is NASA doing with all this data? What is the rest of the world doing with all this data? Why is it that only these bumbling scientists out of the entire world are the only ones who figured this stuff out? But they're so poor at communicating it to the rest of the world that nobody believes them. Well, no wonder no. Nobody believes them. Why does Thor believe them except for the fact that he is used to seeing absolutely fantastic things going on all the time? You're overthinking it, Joe. <laughs> no, it, I, I, every I, I time someone comes along with something like this, S.H.I.E.L.D. comes and shuts them down. That's why yeah. we never hear about things like this. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, so then the problem for me is that already we have seen in other films by Marvel how they have done the scientists right. Uh, uh, Bruce Banner, for instance, is a very great scientist. I love his character as the, you know, the alter ego of Hulk. He, he's, he's interesting. I buy his version of science. I like how they portray it. And I also really like Tony Stark's and how they portrayed his. Even though there were so many uh, while you know, like uh, bleeding edge, uh, you know, hard to just really difficult stuff to swallow in Iron Man two. I still bought all the science 
in most of those three films with uh, Iron Man. So I would have appreciated something more Tony Stark-like in terms of science in, in this film as well. I can really agree with that. I actually have written in my notes that I still don't believe Natalie Portman as a scientist. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can. Okay, I can give you that. She doesn't seem much like a scientist. Yeah. No. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> I can give Those, you that. That, that and uh, the ether are really my Baker complaints. Uh, I, you know, as a whole, uh, the other thing is really trivial. All right. Well, Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say that, well, the the science the scientist himself didn't really because I, I think TJ one of the things that you were saying if I understood you was that they kind of made him bumbling not just that like there was that his character existed but that he was like running around in his underwear yeah it was it was but but as I think about it Joe's right what did he contribute to the film he should have been cut they ultimately like if only thing he was contributing was comic relief. He should be gone. He should be out of there because he really didn't contribute anything to the plot that couldn't have been filled in other more meaningful ways. He he contributed a scientist that could be controlled by Loki and the Avengers that didn't come with the price tag that Natalie Portman does. <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> I'm, so I'm, not, I'm not saying he should have been cut from the Avengers. I'm saying he should have been cut from this film. Well, I mean, but once you have him in the Avengers, I mean, he's just going to continue – I guess. Well, it's one of the, actually it's one of the things that um, I believe Chad was talking about earlier the the tie-ins from the Avengers that were yeah. kind of subtle. I, I like the like I got kind of tired of watching uh, what was the scientist's name because I Eric Selvig. Selvig, yes. So I kind of got tired of seeing constant references to him like running around in his underwear and being crazy. Yeah. But I I really like the concept that especially when he basically said it he was like you know you had like an evil god in your head. You know, and it's yeah. basically it's basically made him crazy. You know, he's spent all his life being one way, but then why didn't it make other characters that he was controlling crazy? Though it was just Eric Selvig. Like it didn't make uh, Haw- Hawkeye crazy, as far as we know. He he snapped out of it and, and saved yeah, the day at the end of the Avengers. It, he's a stone cold killer, so it's totally different. He's I, he's an Avenger, so he, <laughs> he 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 goes to that next level. He's an Avenger, so he gets a free pass. Exactly. <laughs> Never no, underestimate I, I just, the free pass in comic book movies. I get what you're saying. I just don't buy it. And ultimately, I think that uh, regardless, like even if they needed to have him, in, like the the whole, uh, even if they wanted to sell me this whole thing of him being like crazy because he had an evil god in his head, they didn't need to have him running around naked on the on the you know in in Britain or whatever wherever it is that those people over across yeah. the pond do. Uh, they, they just didn't need that. I, I I didn't need it. It was it was awful. It was terrible. It's well, how they the audience how Stonehenge was... got there without having to go to Stonehenge. <laughs> yeah, and it seemed to me that the, the majority of the audience really enjoyed the comical relief. But um, and I, I don't know what I really think about that because it is what it is, and it appeals for some other people, not me. It's not the substance of good movies. Um, it's like comedy hour on the, on the late night talk show. You know, it's this type of material is just out of pl- it felt out of place to me. Mm. But like uh, Fizz is saying, or I guess it was really you, TJ, I'm thinking about comical relief characters, and it really bothers me how little the comical relief characters have anything, you know, any value to, for instance, the original, uh, I'm sorry, in Star Wars, for instance. Yeah, the original series, uh, the comical relief characters have something to do. They're usually yeah. involved, integral into the story. But with the prequels, they're really just there for comical relief. They they don't add any substance to the stories. It was very frustrating because if they do annoy you, then you feel like, well, did they need them? No, 
Problem solved. Just take him out of the movie. Right. It's kind of like the whole R2-D2 thing. He was very important to the original films, and he was comic relief. That's what I'm saying. If you have a character that's not doing anything, he's just being comic relief, cut him. Get him out of that script. So that's all I'm saying. So I agree. Yeah. I I think we should talk about the, uh, the big elephant in the room right now. And that's oh, you mean besides besides the ether? Yeah, besides the ether, and, and I think that this is we're really going to get into spoiler territory now. And this is uh, I, oh yeah, this is regarding the scene where Loki dies. Okay, that's the spoiler. I don't uh, remember a scene that, where that happens. Was that? I don't remember a scene where that happens. Exactly. Well, we're led to believe he does. <laughs> See, and that's the thing. But 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 this is the thing. I believed he was dead, and I. I I felt like the character had had his arc, and and he found a little bit of redemption. He died with honor, and it worked really well. He died re- avenging his mother. He you know and and the whole thing, and then we cut and we go away, and he's obviously like he's turning black or whatever. The, the whole uh, fr- frozen freezer. What 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 are those carrot creatures that he is? Uh, the uh, uh, frost giant, frost giants. He's you know so whatever, and he's reverting back to one of those, and and so I believed it, like he really seemed dead, and I was happy with that. But then, so we 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 cut to a lot of other things going on. You know, Thor's trying to save the day, and then we cut to just barely seeing a flash of of Loki's you know uh, um, metamorph power, whatever it is they call that, that metamorph. That's Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> Shape shifting power. And then, uh, and, and then, so he's taken the form of a Asgardian guard who has come to see what's going on. And so now we know that Loki is alive and he's escaped. We don't know, like, like how is he alive? We don't know, like, but my, my bigger question here is why? Why? I mean, I, I, I get it. Like, if, if Loki's important to phase three and you feel like you can't get rid of Loki because he's, you know, he's the thing that everybody loves about the Marvel Universe, fine. Don't lead me to believe he's dead. I felt really jerked around by that, and I don't like to be disrespected as a member of the audience like that. Look, Did you feel the same way about Agent Coulson? I, a little, yeah. Although okay. I feel like there's some bigger explanation lurking around the corner with Coulson, uh, you know, because they've hinted to it a lot with with the Agents of Shield show. Depending on how, because we still don't know what happened. Depending on how that plays out, I might be really irritated with that too. Well, ultimately, TJ, it's not about the fact that Loki fooled you. It's about the the fact that he fooled Thor. And ultimately, Loki is Loki, and that's what I love about the ending. Yeah, because they didn't try to make Loki into something that he wasn't. They, they, I think they intentionally showed us the trailer with them like, you know, you'd be a fool to trust me, but I need you. Da, 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 da. Brothers got to come together and there's redemption. I think they want us to think that and they want us to want that, but that is not Loki. That's not, that's not how people, that's not how I guess demigods work either. You know, I I get it. I'm just frustrated by the fact that I, I don't know. I, it's, it's not what I wanted. Uh, and and yeah, I feel like Loki's the, the moment that Darth Vader, you know, saves Luke's life and joy, you know, turns his back on the dark side and kills Emperor Palpatine. He, he he's not interesting anymore. I mean, if he lived, I, I don't agree with what that. What do at do? All. How can he stay in that no, dark I completely agree with that. suit? I don't you agree know? with that at all. I, I think that he it, has to die at that point. No, I, mm-hmm. I, I would have been happy though for Loki to be dead. I think he had a good run, and I think he was great. I, I love love him as a character, but I think he had a good run, and it was time to hang it up. And and they couldn't resist. They they didn't, and in fact, they turned it into something sinister. 
I, I don't know. I just I'm not saying it's out of character or anything. I just didn't like it. If if Loki would have got on a ship and been like, ha ha ha, I'll get you one day, Thor, then that would have been disappointing. Well, sure, if, that would have been stupid. If, I would have never gone to another Marvel movie ever again. <laughs> if if Loki if they convinced me Loki had a plan from the moment he left his cage, then I I will totally buy that because that's the Loki that I believe is worth being a lovable villain. And he did that. He, he had an end game and it came to fruition. And not only that, but the only person left that was really going to call him or even, I don't know, have a chance to really threaten him. He fooled. And that was his only, the only thing he needed to do was full Thor. He fooled Thor and he fooled TJ. <laughs> so, I'm so you're saying he didn't fool you? Well, it's hard for me to believe at that point that one they would have they would have killed a, a character like Loki and just arbitrarily left his body leaving uh, lying on a dead world as popular as his character was. Mm. Um, and two that Marvel will kill any of their characters in a not Joss Whedon movie. <laughs> okay fair <laughs> enough fair enough uh so i just said i i guess i thought here's what i thought the reason that i believed he was dead was because joss whedon is involved like even though he's not like directly involved his influence and his fathership if you will is over the whole franchise and he yes he's brought plenty of characters back to life but he's also killed plenty of characters and they've never come back and and he's often been quoted as saying you know you've got to kill characters you've got to make people believe their stakes well now this kind of, especially on something like this, like I've lost faith that they're going to kill any main characters now, and that lowers the stakes. Now, didn't you say, TJ, that originally they had it written to where he would die, but then they went back and altered the film and added some stuff? Yeah, he was supposed to originally die. Uh, given, because I felt what like I know, that was the case. This, the first, the, the script they were shooting, and even right up until like a couple months before the uh, before they finished post production, had Loki did not have Loki coming back. And so it, it really does feel just added to the film. In fact, the, the conversation that Thor has with Odin was a conversation with Odin. And then at the last minute, they changed it and showed that it was Loki, which makes the conversation make more sense. Because some of the things that Odin is saying is just like, even if Loki were impersonating Odin, I just can't see him saying those things. Oh, I can. Ugh, I guess. I, I, have, I have faith in the deviousness of Loki. <clears throat> I do agree with about the deviousness of Loki. The only reason I could tell that they were added scenes was because they just didn't quite feel right. Yep. I noticed a few times when they would like um, something about the set wasn't consistent with what the set had been like before. Things like that. You know, I didn't little notice pathetic that. things. I, it was more about, yeah. I don't know. Chad, I, Chad chime in here. I, I'm on Fizz's side here. I think that Loki, I mean, he's the god of mischief. And if the moment we start believing things he's done is the moment that he started playing the character. But I wasn't believing something he had done. I was believing something that had happened to him. But that just means that he fooled you. He fooled. Exactly. He was stabbed stabbed through the chest with a big freaking sword. And we've already established that as guardians can die. Look, come on, TJ. Who hasn't been stabbed through the chest before? Really? (laughs) I have theories about Coulson though. You want to hear him? Life model decoy. (laughs) You don't want to hear them? Uh, isn't there going to be a S.H.I.E.L.D. show at some point? I want to talk about Thor. Tell me why Loki, <laughs> tell me why it's bad that Loki didn't die. 
Tell me why he should have died. He had a good run, and I feel like that the character arc would have been nice and complete had he gotten just a little bit of redemption in the revenging of his mother and died in that honorable way. How can you be considered the god of mischief if you die in a redemptive Did manner? you see what exactly. he did in Avengers? <laughs> that, that, that forever etches him as the god of mischief. No questions asked. Huh. Uh, I, I would I call still it, agree with Fizz. Yeah, because but, he, because on his tombstone, it's going to say he was the god of mischief. It's not going to say he was the guy that we called the god of mischief, but then he turned a new leaf, and here is how he did it. I didn't it. say he, he turned he, a new leaf. I said he found just a little bit of redemption. Just a little bit. I mean, it's a good – come on. Come on. It's a good character arc. Stop ganging up on me, people. <laughs> Look, if you're going to have three of us on the show to all disagree with you at the same time, you're going to have to – <laughs> Make your bed and sleep in it, or That's right. sleep in the bed that you've made. But by whose rule book? Um, all right, everyone voting TJ off the show. <laughs> all right, what else have we got? Anybody got anything else? Oh uh, well, I thought you were going to talk about the bigger elephant in the room. To me, was what the heck happened to Odin? Well, that's okay. What that is part it? of the same. That's part of the same elephant. That's like the elephant's big old foot. Or something. <laughs> yeah, but that's making me come back. That mean that that may that means I want to come back and I want to know what happens next. Sure, I want, well, I do I want, too. I want to watch Thor three now. Sure. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I just you, really you, hope that the explanation isn't something like you know Loki caught Odin in a in the corner of a dark hallway and gagged him and tossed him into a a dark pit in the bottom of you know Asgard and said, "Ah, oh, nobody will ever find you here." Well, do you think I, it's Loki's style to have like, killed Odin? No, he no, would not no. kill him. No, he I don't think put, so either. He would have put him in a hole and then lowered the basket and said it puts the lotion on the skin if it wants to, th- I don't know, whatever again. Something that's exactly. been thought. But I don't even like that notion. I don't like that, mm-hmm. that conclusion for Odin. And I don't like it that Loki would be the one to do that. Uh, if he does that kind of thing to Odin, as much as we may not like Odin, I, I really have a hard time justifying how we can still like loki as a character because he just can't cross certain lines oh i see i disagree with that i think that we we i mean he's already killed lots of people i don't i know i don't he like got away him with it because they were nobodies i don't like yeah, him they were like new yorkers him. though no one likes new yorkers right Look, like i don't like him like him i like to dislike him it's a difference see so i don't have any problem believing that loki would lock uh lock him away forever i just don't think you would kill him but we're also talking about Odin here. He's supposed to be better than that. Well, they already demonstrated throughout the course of this movie that Odin's an idiot. I know. Ah. <laughs> uh, well, that's one of my dislikes. Like, see, and we talked about this. We, we, you know, we danced all around it, and I was like, "How did Odin go from the wise All Father in the first film, with maybe some critiques of his parenting, uh, <laughs> legitimately, to a crazy warmongering old man? I mean, he was basically the the point in which all morality swings in Thor one." And then he is everything like he is. He is basically turned into Thor from the first film in the second film. Yes. I agree with that. If you follow that, you know, yeah. like everything that he chastised Thor for, you know, in the first film, he basically does in the second film. And I, I just I, I feel like Loki has the power, has the ability in, in the world where I believe he is as mischievous and more mischievous than I could even dream that he has somehow banished Odin somewhere where no one will ever find him until Jane, uh, whatever go there. All the planets align again at 5,000 years and Jane falls through a hole and happens to find him and something like that. 
Unfortunately, Jane won't be alive then. So according to according to uh, according to Odin, she's just a goat. Well, <laughs> that really bothered me. <laughs> he should have called her a housefly. <laughs> uh, all right, what else have we got? I don't know. You want to talk about the credits? <laughs> what? Or should I say? Well, save sure. The I mean, you you know, one does not the... simply leave a Marvel film before the end of the credits. Uh, yeah. And oh, you're, you'd that... be surprised. You shouldn't. Yes. Watching yes. all the people get up and leave from the theater. It, yeah, I'm like, have you guys not watched any of these movies? <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe some of them don't even know there are credits things because they never stay for them. <sighs> I disappointing. Just, I just don't. Yeah, I don't even know. What Did, okay, okay. Did everybody here catch both of the of the end credits things? Yes. yes. Okay. I did. Yes. Okay. Cool. So, okay, well, so we are know. We, are we are we moving to that? Are we moving to the end credits? Yeah, because I don't have anything else. So yeah, unless anybody else has anything else. Well, I'd like to mention one thing. Um, well, actually, I'm sorry. Two things. One one that was kind of hit on by Chad, I think, in his likes, and that was I really enjoyed Chris Eccleston, his portrayal of the central villain. But it's it's in my dislikes because I thought the central villain was underused and underdeveloped. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And that kind of led to the whole concept that the that the entire antagonist in this film didn't feel like a threat to me. It just felt no. like something that was in the way of us learning more about the characters. Um, and as and as much and another and my last dislike was that as much as I enjoyed having characters that I started to care about, I feel like they really missed a, a really good opportunity to make us, um, let's say the best way to explain this much. Like I was, I was really big on Frigga's character, like, uh, their mother and how she made everyone around them or helped you understand more about every character around her by her presence. Uh-huh. I feel like they had the opportunity to do that with Sif that, uh, the, the lady warrior, right? Jamie, um, Jamie Alexander. Yeah. If, actress. if they would have really just taken 10 minutes here, you know, over the course of the film to explore what was there between her and Thor, I think conversations they could have had would have made us really understand Thor's desire for Jane. Yeah. I, I, I had forgotten about that, but I remember a couple of points in the film where she gives Jane dirty looks and it's never explained. I mean, obviously there's a little bit of jealousy going on there, but uh, we never learn anything about their relationship. I wouldn't have called them dirty looks more like you've got the guy that I wish I had. I, I wouldn't have called it dirty. Just that's uh, a dirty look. No, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's yeah. <laughs> no, it, it was, it was more like uh, despair almost like, well, yeah, I don't know. I, I just didn't see it as dirty. And and you're but you are right. Whatever it was, it never went anywhere. So yeah, I, and, and that's the thing. They hinted at it, you know, Odin said, like, you know, why are you looking away from what's right in front of you? Yep. Sif Sif kind of is trying to get Thor to join in the party and have a little fun with her. Mm-hmm. And and that starts me saying, like, I can't wait till they have to have this throwdown conversation about how she loves him or she is all about Thor. And Thor has to for her sake and for the audience sake, for his character development's sake, explain why Jane, who he's known for a total of like a day and a half, <laughs> two and a half. Well, did he know her the whole time? Yeah, well, I don't know. You know, whatever. So, you know, he's so this woman that he's known for less than a week is captured, has captured his heart. Like what, what, what's there? And I think that would have taken 
uh, relationship that we saw as, well, it was at least better than it was in Thor and made it like, wow, we're really on the Thor Jane train. Um, <laughs> on the other hand, I'm glad they didn't go. I'm glad nothing ever came of it. I, I was not re- I was not looking forward to any sort of love triangle and it, I'm glad nothing really came of it. Well, it, I can see it going too far in the other direction, too, but I, I felt like they had some room there to grow. But well, no, that, thing was my, too that was about my Sif. Life. And the thing too about Sif is that she has been around for thousands of years already. So whatever relationship she may have had already happened and maybe it just didn't work out. So they agreed to be just friends and, you know, kill bad guys and stuff together. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to see that DTR or the define the relationship. You know, I really like you, but I really just prefer killing bad guys with you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. All right, Joe, you wanted to talk about the end credits. Well, after the end credits, they have their little extra scene. And I I found that there's been two Marvel films, if I'm remembering right, that uh, they didn't feel the need to drop a hint uh, for another film. They didn't feel the need to, you know... Yeah, just make you all excited about what happens next and, you know, get you to talking about, you know, what does that mean with all your friends? With the Avengers film, it was all about shawarma. So you're you're, you're forgetting the Thanos thing, though, at the end of the Avengers. What was that? You're forgetting the Thanos thing at the end of the Avengers where Uh, where they show Thanos. They just show a glimpse of him. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, every single Marvel film has had something teasing some other film thus far. The Avengers had yeah. two. It had the shawarma thing at the very end, but then after the, the the what I call the card credits before they do the roll, they had the uh, you know the thing where where uh, uh, help me out here, somebody. I'm I'm blanking here, but but basically they show Thanos. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, and, but I I'm I'm talking about the thing at the very end. Um, they haven't had it at the end of every Marvel film because they only started it like at the end of. Iron Man, the first film, is that right? Maybe that was the yeah, first time I think they Iron did Man it. started mm-hmm. that, yeah. And uh, but then it was with the Avengers where they showed him eating food, and there was no point to it except it was really funny. And then in this one, it was all about the romance, and it was like the way that the romance should have been, you know, it, it, the way the romance should have come to fruition somewhere near the actual end of the film, and a part of the main film, but they couldn't figure out how to put it in there. So then they tied it on here and it feels really out of place because the moment uh, that that scene was over at the end of the credits, I felt like, wow, did they just suggest that this is the end of all the Thor films? And then after that, there, the text comes up on screen saying Thor will return. And it was like they had to, they realized with that little extra piece of them kissing on the rooftop, Thor with Jane coming back to earth that it would, it might suggest to some people, and they lived happily ever after. And Thor settled it down with Jane, and they raised weird babies on planet <laughs> Earth together, <laughs> L- little yeah. Thorlets. Here's here's what I would have preferred. I would have preferred that the the, the, the scenes would have been reversed. That the Loki thing would have happened as a credit stinger, and that the end of the pr- film proper would have been Thor and Jane, you know, in the embrace or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that would have been okay. That would have been. I think that would have been better. I, I think they had it backwards. Wait, are you talking about the Loki thing as an extra scene? Because the Loki thing wasn't the extra scene. No, I'm saying it should have been. 
and, oh, and okay. the extra scene, the, the scene that is in the credits where, where Thor is on Earth and he's with Jane, that should have been the end of the film, the proper. Okay, what about the scene where they drop off the relic? That could have been the very end. I, 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 was that or was that the very end or was that the one in the middle? Like I can't remember which. That was the order. one in the middle. Okay, that was the one in the middle. So the very yeah, Lo- end. Loki so, ended the film. Yeah, that's just that's just weird. Like the but the the scene where they drop off the relic that should have been at the very end tag. That should have been at the very end of the film. I thought it's it's minor quibbles. They're 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 all, it's all there, and and those of us who know to stay and do stay, we got to see it all. So whatever, but. You know that that was a like a uh, um, a bump for uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I think I don't think that's necessarily connected to the Avengers films. Yeah. What is Guardians of the Galaxy? I don't exactly know. It's just, it's another Marvel thing. Well, Guardians of the Galaxy is connected to the the Avengers films, though. It's part of Phase yeah. Two. It's Phase Two. Well, it but comes out next year sometime. Right, but it's not it's not like going to be like ha- impacting the Avengers much, is it? I, that's my understanding. Like it's kind of its own thing. Well, we don't know. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's phase two. I mean, it's it's well, part it's, of the it's Avengers. It's part of phase well, two, but I don't know that how much impact it's going to have on the Avengers film. Well, like in in this end credits scene, they talk about the infinity uh, infinity stones, and that's yes. of course part of the infinity gauntlet, which is wielded by Thanos. Yeah, which Thanos is not going to be a part of the Avengers. He's he's part of the right. he's the he's going to be the bad guy in Guardians of the Galaxy, is my understanding. Right. And Ultron is the villain in Avengers two. Right. Correct. So, so the scene though with with them dropping off the relic thing, like that had a really weird vibe to it. The whole thing felt very strange. The look of it was just completely different from anything else in Thor. the The whole concept of over here in Asgard, we're full. We've got the Tesseract. Here, you take this thing. We're gonna dump it on you. Like, what in the world? The whole thing just felt weird. Actually, it was funny because I felt like I was watching a Guillermo del Toro film. For just, yeah. a, just, yeah, just a little you're bit. right. It did have a Guillermo del Toro feel to it. So that was that was kind of odd to me. It was very odd. I thought it was odd. Maybe they want to snatch him as the director of the next one. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd be okay with that, actually. <laughs> yeah, he proved his uh, power with Pacific Rim. Totally. Well, he put he proved his mythos with Hellboy and Hellboy Two, which I think I'm the only person who's seen. But All right, yeah, well, it, I, I've seen him. It feels I, like I we're. Agree. It feels like we're rambling now. So yeah, I think that we lost all of the audience when we brought up the Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. I think so too. If anybody, <laughs> I will give you all an opportunity, maybe maybe against my better judgment. If anybody has anything else to add, otherwise we're going to start wrapping it up. So we all universally think that the whole ether that storyline was just something that had to happen so we could see more Thor, right? Mm, I don't know if I feel quite that poorly of it think quite that poorly of it and uh, to, uh, you, you're asking whether or not there was a point to the very 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 end credits moment with jane and thor no no no, no. the ether the ether, the, the, the ether as a plot the, the, line, as a, as a like, plot device yeah the yeah the ether is a plot device i mean the dark elves is an actual antagonist i mean oh i see okay I mean, was it i didn't think it i would have liked bad. it if thor had done something way cooler to get rid of it um, way yeah. more interesting. Uh, I agree with like, that. Couldn't he just like, you know, use super breath or something like Superman to oh, hold it in his hands and <laughs> freeze it into an ice cube and then take his hammer you, and, and you know swing it like a bat and knock it to the other side of the, the universe? You have jumped the shark, Joe. Into the sun. Into the yeah, sun. Exactly. Throw it into the well. That would create a black <laughs> well, hole. All right. I guess. Moving on. <laughs> 
I guess I would have created a black hole. Uh, we'll never know. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's start. Uh, let's start wrapping it up. And Chad, why don't you tell us you, your kind of final thoughts and your summary for this film? Okay, it was much better than the first film overall. Still has its problems, as we've talked about, but I thought the humor was good most of the time. The action was always fun and engaging, and I thought that the character relationships between Thor and Loki especially were great. So, four stars. Okay, four or five. Fizz? Well, as I said much earlier in the podcast, I feel like this this movie, or the Thor character in general, it already has a strike against it because it's so much like Superman that I find that they have to try really hard to get me to believe or get on board with him having a serious crisis. Like there's any kind of consequences to his life or what he does. The good thing about this movie is that I believe that transitioning the danger to his friends and his love interest, they do that. Um, And because of that, I think it exceeds the first film, though it doesn't quite get to that that next level of the best Marvel films I've seen. Uh, It's definitely worth a watch. I would definitely go to the theater and experience it. Um, I believe it was very enjoyable, and I think it's continuing the Marvel upswing ever since Avengers. It's got me interested in it. Hunter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers 2, et cetera, et cetera. And for the film itself, I would probably give it three and a half stars. I'm sorry, can you, you're breaking up a little bit. Can you repeat that? I'd probably give it three and a half to four stars. Three and a half um, to four. Yeah, leaning more towards four, but not. I can't quite go four stars. Okay. You're wishing um, that our scale allowed for a few more points. Yeah. As so. we've talked about before. All right, Joe. Uh, no, you go first, TJ. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I really enjoyed this film quite a lot. Uh, despite some of its weaknesses, I felt like the, the strengths far outweighed the weaknesses. Um, I felt like the humor was, except for the uh, uh, Eric Selvig thing, I felt like it struck the right balance all, all the time. You know, I really, you know, Darcy was a much better character in this film. Even though she there was more humor to her, there was also... Uh, a more of a groundedness to the character. Uh, overall, I felt like the the film struck a much better balance between that humor and the seriousness and gravity of what was going on. Uh, and, and, and as is characteristic, and this is why I say that Joss Whedon's influence on the film has felt very well, characteristic of Joss Whedon's things, the things that he does, the film kind of knew its place. It didn't try to place, you know, be too over heavy, you know, and oh, this is the most serious thing ever, you know, but it, it knew kind of where it fit into the world. And so um, that really helped it. The chemistry was much better between the main characters, uh, you know, so, and, and of course, Loki, who doesn't like Loki? So I give this film four out of five stars. I thought it was really great. And I like it as a film that I think was trying to appeal to a younger audience more so than the Avengers or Hulk films or Iron Man films. You know, these superhero films are broadly interesting to audiences. I mean, young and old, but let's face it, because Thor is the closest to if you had a scale between um, Abraham Lincoln and Frosty the Snowman. uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
Thor okay. would really be much yeah, yeah Thor would be much closer to Frosty the Snowman than the other Avengers characters uh-huh. because he's so fantastic and 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 because he's so fantastic and his weapon is a, a super sized hammer, um, a value sized hammer. You know, kids are going to eat that up, and from what I've seen, they especially appreciate it, and they seem to. And I think that that's really cool. Like. I don't know that I'll introduce Captain America to my kids before they're 10 years old just because I don't think they'll get it, even though they'll really enjoy the action and the, the heroism. I don't think that our kids, my kids will get it because, you know, there's all this stuff going on with the military, and I don't want them really confused about that kind of stuff and World War, you know, you know and stuff like that. I don't want them really confused with the relevance of, you know, the history and breaking apart fact from fiction. And that kind of thing, you know, happens with Tony Stark. It's way too serious. It's about an older guy and the problems he's going through with women, you know, and terrorism. So there's things like that that are less relatable to a younger audience. Whereas Thor uh, is just, you know, make believe that that you could eat up, you know, at, at, at the bedtime story, you know, with a lot of action. So maybe uh, the wake up story, you know, not to keep the kids awake. So I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying. You cannot take this movie seriously. It's it's clearly made to be a blockbuster film. It's it's so epic and so uh, uh I won't say it's uh hmm, what is the word? We've used it a lot. Uh don't know. It's not trying to be something it isn't. It's just saying, look, you know, we know that this is outlandish, so we're gonna try and make it really fun. And they did a great job of doing that. All right, so I think the bottom line here is that uh, DC Comics is still over weeping loudly in the corner. (laughs) Marvel still has the upper hand here. Yeah, unfortunately. I'm really bummed to buy The Man of Steel. No, I think DC's pretty happy with the way the uh, Batman franchise turned out. That's true, but but still, I mean, I don't you, think even, they're weeping too bad. You can see them over there, kind of <laughs> scrambling after the Avengers, going, "What, what, what, wait, wait, what, what, what have we got that we can? We, oh, I know, I know, we can put Batman and Superman together. They've done that in the comics before, right?" Uh, <laughs> I, I think I think you're you're sideways gloating, maybe premature. Yeah, TJ. We'll see. I'm, I'm sure I, I, I'm sure I, I, it'll do well. It's just not going to be do as yeah. well as the Avengers. Look, I, I didn't like Man of Steel either, but I think DC. I think the worst thing they could try to do is try to copy what Marvel is doing. Which is why I think this is a mistake. Well, they're not the, if you read the comics between Superman and Batman, the Superman Batman stuff is nothing like the Avengers. It's not like a super team up. Let's all go fight the bad guys. There, there is, it's, it's a completely different genre. And I think DC is taking their, their main franchise moneymakers in a completely different direction. And I think if you think they're trying to copy Marvel, you're probably wrong. I don't know if they'll pull it off because I don't really have a lot of faith in Zack Snyder. And I didn't yeah, really like Man of Steel, but Man of Steel still made a truckload of cash. Yeah, it did. And if they can even make, I, like I said, I think they're trying to do something, and I don't think most people see what it is because they're so caught up with only thinking you can do it the way Marvel's done it. Uh, and I think it can be successful because I think it's different enough, and I wish I had more time to go into it. But just well, trust me on this. We should, we should have a, a podcast episode at some point where we can talk more about it. But I think for now we're going to go ahead and uh, bring this in for a landing. So um, next week we're going to be talking about the book thief. So uh, I'm really excited about this film. You'll want to you want to make sure you catch that and uh, you know take a peek at it and watch it before we uh, do our podcast next week. Uh, Chad and I have not talked about the time yet, but I think it's just back to me and him next week. 
Uh, so we'll we'll nail that down and uh, we'll let you know when we release it, I guess. So uh, as we wrap things up here, uh, Joe, where can people keep up with you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm Joseph Darnell. And at my personal blog site, it's jivingjacklope.net. I love that. I love that <laughs> website. It's, it's, it's an amazing name. Oh, thank you. Chad, where do people find you at? You can find me at chadlikesmovies.com, facebook.com slash chad.hopkins, or twitter.com slash chadadada, C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. Every time I hear that, it makes me think of the uh, the uh, Muppets, uh, you know, music video thing with Manamana. I'd love a parody with chadadada. I just assumed that was intentional. Was that not intentional? No, but I like the Muppets, so we'll go with yes. Oh, I, I always, because that's what I thought about, too. I was like, cha-da-da-da. I, I just kind of assumed it was intentional. It's a song. You're, mu- you know, you're into, well, you're not into music. You're, like, really into music, you know? So I just right. kind of, a, hand in hand. Fizz, where can people find you? Me. Um, you can find me personally on Twitter at at Fizzification, but if you'd like to check out my other podcast, Real World Theology, you can go to realworldtheology.com. Uh, we got a blog there. I got a couple contributing writers, so we're trying to actually gain some speed on the content front. You can also go to iTunes and subscribe to Real World Theology. We are actually recording our podcast on Ender's Game tomorrow night, and I'm already writing up the show notes and getting a cat or getting a, a panel together for Thor as well. So, lots of cool things going on. If you guys are looking. Anybody's interested in not just reviewing the film, but kind of taking more of a like a theological theme, theological narrative kind of look at stuff. Yeah, and definitely everybody should check it out. I mean, we we podcast, you know, we podcasters, we got to support each other. So, all right, well, you can find me uh, on Twitter. I am TJ Draper Pro. Uh, you can find Movie Bite on Twitter. We're Movie Bite, and uh, you can find Movie Bite on Facebook, facebook.com slash Movie Bite. Uh, be sure to visit moviebyte.com. That's where I do most of my writing and where you'll find all the work that I do throughout the week. Uh, so be sure to check that out. Uh, you'll find the show notes for this episode at moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 68, uh, where we'll put the links to the IMDb page and uh, a couple of the just a couple of the links that we mentioned. Uh, they'll be there on that page. And you can also engage with us there. Leave a comment if you want to interact with us. And uh, we keep an eye on that, and we'll be glad to interact with you there. Uh, we'd also love it if you take time to rate this podcast in iTunes. Just search for a movie bite, and we're the first result that comes up. And check out our new show, Bite Sized. Uh, let's see. I think that's all the uh, cross promotion I better do. I'm probably wearing people out. So, <laughs> guys, thanks so much for uh, being here and doing this uh, review with me. It was a lot of fun to have all all four of us on a podcast together. Yeah, epic Great. podcast time. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys. Uh, see you guys around. Ta 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 ta. Bye-bye. <laughs> 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 <laughs>